this means uh, hope. It's wonderful, simply wonderful, because uh, there have been a time when we were suffering, we were in a really, really big struggle, because, you know, uh, we, are, we were putting all our effort to make this, uh, to make this changing, to save people, to save lives. But uh, at the end, we figured out that uh, we weren't able to do that by ourselves. Welcome to another episode of On the Ground with Samaritan's Purse. I'm your host, Christy Graham. You're hearing the voice of Davi Day, a local Italian man who was deeply impacted by the news of our arrival at his hometown, Cremona, Italy, during the coronavirus pandemic. He was actually born in the Cremona hospital that we are partnering with. On my, on my sofa, I was reading the newspaper, the local newspaper, and I saw the, the first page, which, which says, uh, Samaritans are coming. So in Italian is uh, i samaritani stanno arrivando. And there was the, a picture of your plane just landing in the Verona airport. And I thought, man, okay, now things are gonna change. Nearly six weeks ago, Samaritan's Purse sent a 68-bed emergency field hospital to Italy to provide critical surge capacity and support to the local hospital in Cremona. At the time, there were more than 700 reported deaths in Italy each day due to COVID-19, and the country was desperate for help and hope. Today, I wanna give you a complete view from doctors, nurses, staff, and patients that are combating the virus overseas. First, let me introduce you to Kelly Suter, the medical director of the respiratory care unit on the ground in Cremona. There's just, I mean, there's a lot I wanna cover, but mainly we just want your insight and um, stories from the ground. So um, if you don't mind starting, Kelly, just tell us, you know, what you're doing and what your role is at the hospital. So I am the medical director of the respiratory care unit. So I do a lot of the higher level coordination with the hospital, uh, the local hospital, um, and just kind of the, the higher level, you know, workings and runnings of the unit um, to make sure things are happening the way they should. And Kelly, I'm sure, um, you know, being in such a developed country um, and such a, you know, they had some or had so many, they have so many resources and have never really needed help like this. I'm sure it presents probably more challenges. Um, and like you mm-hmm. said, because there is such a partnership, you know, Samaritan's Purse isn't often Correct. working so closely. So how has that provided complications, but also opportunities for the gospel? Um, obviously, Italy's more developed. Um, and again, they're not used to receiving help. So it's, it's always very unique when you go in. Um, most of the time, they're very standoffish, you know, because it's, they care. They care about their patients. They care about their communities. They care about their country. And rightly so, they want to be very careful who comes in and are they going to do it well? Are they going to care for these people? Um, are they going to use the right technical skills? All that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, and the way that I was approached it is, you know, you just come in and you first just get to know them. You know, you let them know who you are, what you stand for. You know, the fact that you're there to help, you're not there to take over. You're not there because they've done anything wrong or because they've, they've failed to meet the needs of their community that they're just in a situation where they need a additional surge capacity and that we're here to help and we're honored to be fighting alongside them. And usually once you get to that point and they understand that that's why you're there um, and not to be, you know, the American heroes, um, you know, the, the real coordination begins. Um, and in Italy, it's just been absolutely amazing, absolutely astounding. Um, I, this is by far the best working relationship the country I've ever had. Mm. Um, any need that we've had, they've met. They've, they've worked with us on our limitations. 
Um, you know, together we found systems that work to make sure all the needs get met. Um, it's just, it's been a really, a really beautiful coordination. I've, I've really enjoyed it thus far. Mm. That is wonderful to hear. And so you've been there now three weeks. Can you talk to me about how things have changed and, and maybe any updates um, since you've been there? So when we first got here, um, you know, there, they were they were in a bit of a pickle, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, the hospital was quite overrun. Their nurses, uh, you know, first of all, they're short staffed. Uh, a number of their staff members were sick. Um, they had turned the entire hospital, it's almost a 600 bed hospital into a COVID unit. Mm. So all other regular services had shut down. Um, you know, they, they had, uh, upwards of 50 patients on ventilators. Um, you know, they, they quoted to us an eight to one ratio, meaning eight vented patients to one nurse, um, which I mean, as a nurse, um, you know, you, you say that to any nurse, uh, their eyes are going to pop out of their, their head. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's impossible to provide the care that's needed. So they were stressed. They were overworked. They were exhausted. Um, you know, their ER was seeing 80, 90 COVID patients a day. There was patients in hallways simply because they ran out of room uh, and just didn't have anywhere else to take these patients. Um, they did the absolute best that they could, and they continue to do that. Now that we've been here for three weeks, um, talking with the hospital again, what they're telling us is that they've been, op- been able to open a small area of the hospital where they can treat uh, non-COVID things. Mm. Um, so they're beginning to provide some non-COVID healthcare again. Um, their ER is, is not packed. They don't have people sitting there. Um, the hallways are empty now, so patients are actually in rooms. They have less vented patients, so they've been able to pull the vented patients out of, you know, OR and um, all these different random rooms that they had vented patients in. Um, and then the other thing that I heard was that because we've been able to take some load off of them, they're actually starting to move patients through so they can actually move patients from the ICU to step down, step down to the ward. So, wow. you know, we've opened up some more beds so some of that rotation can actually start happening. So lot, lots of great stuff. Plus wow. their staff, their staff is getting a bit more of a break. You know, the mm-hmm. ratio, you know, nurse to patient ratio is getting better. Um, so we're, we're very happy to be working with them and they're happy to be working with us. It's hard to imagine how overwhelmed and overworked the Cremona Hospital was, but I was so encouraged to hear how the teams are working together. When I spoke with Anne Galgano, who oversees the intensive care unit or the ICU, she broke down the process of receiving patients in the current tempo of the emergency field hospital. So Anne, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, You've just had a full day here, several hours ahead of us. So can you share what you're doing and where you are located? I am the charge nurse of the intensive care unit here. So particularly, I'm overseeing our critical patients. Um, and so, but we also have many ward beds as well. So that's what we're doing. Day to day is coordinating with the hospital, telling them how many beds we have available to help take some of the patients um, out of their hospital because they are um, over, you know, capacity. Um in the hospital. So we talk to them about how many beds we have available and then we start receiving um, their patients for the day and take care of them. And so what is the tempo like? Is it starting to slow down or are you guys still major rush? I would say as far as the ICU goes, we are maintaining a high capacity, high level, fast paced critical care scene. Um, from day one, we have uh, received very 
uh, six critical patients. And once I have a bed available, I go ahead and ask them to send me another patient. So we stay really busy uh, in the ICU with uh, the sickest of the sick from the hospital. So, yeah, so the tempo for the ICU is staying busy. Um, The wards, I know, are, you know, they'll have a lot of discharges and then they'll have a lot of admissions. So they kind of will have high turnover for their patients. That must be exhausting. So talk to me about your three weeks in. I mean, you guys have been going full mm-hmm. force. Like you said, it has not slowed down. Talk to me about what it's like day-to-day responding like this in high capacity. Yeah, so it starts out with a thorough report from the previous shift and jumping in. In the ICU, we have, we're running 10 ventilators right now and the patients are all right next to each other. And so you can imagine there's a lot of alarms going off all the time. Um, the ventilators always alarming, the monitors, IV pumps. It's a very uh, stimulating space. Um, it's a lot of respiratory management. I would say mm-hmm. that is the um, biggest part of my day is managing a lot of endotracheal tubes and their ventilators and monitoring their labs to see where, um, if they're stabilizing, um, or if I need to make changes. And honestly, it's just a lot of, um, a lot of respiratory work. Um, and it's just bringing your A game every day to every patient. Um, because these are very fragile patients. Um, they could be stable for one minute and then unstable for the next five. So um, it's a lot of moving from one patient to the next, just trying to stabilize them. As I talked with each person working overseas to save lives in this devastating time, I noticed a common thread in each of their responses, hope. While battling a deadly disease and missing their families thousands of miles away, Samaritan's Purse disaster responders are filled with hope. They know that Jesus has called them to be his hands and feet, and they are passionate about serving the patients in Italy, in Jesus' name. Even though circumstances are challenging and the patients they have grown to love are very sick, they have a hope that cannot be shaken. I think of Habakkuk 3, verses 18 and 19 that say, Though the times are difficult, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength and he makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on heights. I also wanna know, you know, it's always hard to go into what you're doing, I'm sure, going into a crisis. But this is the first time, you know, you've gone in when leaving a crisis at home, you know? So here are your family and friends and loved ones back home are in the same situation that you are here. What is that like, um, serving and responding, and how has God equipped you to handle that? It's, it's been unique. I, I'm, of course, I worry about my family like um, everyone would, but, you know, I've, I've learned over the years to leave to leave what should be in God's hands in God's mm-hmm. hands. I, I can't prevent them from getting sick. I can provide some, you know, some technical guidance, um, and the rest I have to leave up to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where, you know, it's, it is just devastating to watch our whole globe be impacted. But like you said, it is a equalizing, unifying. And, you know, my prayer has been that 
our whole, you know, the whole world would call out to God, you know, and realize right. that we we are needy and we can only mm-hmm. do so much. I mean, yes, medically, you all are awesome and fighting, but ultimately, you know, our spiritual healing can and hope right. can only come from God. So what is that like serving with Samaritan's Purse and, you know, offering that medical care that is above and beyond? I mean, the standards are amazing and people have been very impressed um, with Samaritan's Purse care. But above that, spiritually, you all care about their their hope and Jesus. How, how is that like, what is that like offering that hope to your patients? I mean, I think it goes without saying that obviously we can offer something more than just physical healing um, on a purely human level, you know, through our, our technical work, which is we have great nurses and doctors here that are doing just unbelievable stuff. Um, but in my experience and, and what I'm seeing here, um, you know, more than, than the, 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 the verbal witness that we give, the true witness we've had here and where we've really had people come back and say, what, what are you and why are you different is simply the way that we move, the way that we we work with each other, mm-hmm. the way that we work with patients, the care that we give them. I mean, it's, it, you know, you, they'll know you're a Christian by your love. And that is absolutely what is speaking very loudly for us right now. And that is what we most commonly get comments on, um, even from hospital directors, you know, over at the Cremona Hospital is, I've never seen a team that works together like this, that is unfailingly happy, unfailingly joyful, always willing to accept anything we hand at them, um, coordinating like you wouldn't believe, reaching back out to the staff at the Cremona Hospital to encourage them and support them. And then the love and care with which they show patients, not just the technical level, but patients are coming out saying, you know, just blown away at the level of love that they're shown. And that that is probably our strongest witness here. Um, and that's, I mean, granted, I've worked for many organizations that have wonderful people and um I've seen in other organizations, but it's definitely another level with Samaritan's Purse. Uh, and I think because we all come into this with that attitude, we come into this with that foundation and we come into it doing it for the right reasons, which is, you know, to show the love of God and to be his hands and his feet. Um, and that, that speaks, it speaks very loudly more than anything we could say or any technical healing we can give. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. And as, as you mentioned, people coming, you know, patients coming out, you know, Anne was telling us about the eight patients that came off ICU, you know, and some have gone home. And she talked about how your staff celebrated, but how did the patients respond to you guys? Uh, there's, there's a lot that are sometimes very cautious when they get here, um, not certain. And, and, you know, obviously they're going to a tent hospital yes. run by, you know, cowboy Americans. I would be terrified too if it was the other way around. <laughs> Um, but they very quickly settle in and we get ones that don't want to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had individuals request to have their loved one sent to our field hospital mm-hmm. um, from the main hospital. And not because the field hospital is doing anything wrong, but they see something special mm-hmm. that's going on in the field hospital. Um, so I, I have not had, I mean, there's a few outlying cases, of course. And those are just patients that just want to go home. You know, they're just upset overall with, um, you know, what's been going on in their lives and, you know, we're able to minister to them. Um, but the, the response has been very positive and I mean, just, you know, th- they show their love in every way that they can. So after we send them home, I mean, they always show back up with gifts or food or anything else. And, you know, they're, they're just amazing. And we get very attached to them and it's very hard to see them go when they go. Um, I heard Ann mentioning that. Um, and uh, many of them cry, many mm-hmm. of them cry when they go because, you know, we've become a family 
You know, we were bonded on a different level than just, you know, I'm your nurse or I'm your doctor and you're my patient. Yeah. And you, yeah, you walk through that process with them. They can't have family and friends. So you are their support system, but also you left, like we talked about earlier, you left, you know, a you know, your, your family in a, you know, to come here. So I'm sure that even speaks more volumes. Why would you leave? You know, most people are hunkering mm-hmm. down, borders are closing, you know, nobody's leaving. We're all in our homes, not wanting to leave. And so you chose to come help a stranger. I'm sure that just opens so many avenues to share Christ and share your faith and, and love them in a totally different way. Yes, especially when you work every single day and you get really attached to their patients. You just feel so connected to them and you just love them. And so they're very much a part of our family in that room. So yeah, we get we get really attached to our patients. And speaking to that, this mm-hmm. response, I know you've responded all over the world and, mm-hmm. and with many different situations, but this is one that, like you said, you are with your patient, I mean, constantly, mm-hmm. right? And you are their only support. They can't have family and friends, so you become mm-hmm. their support system. Yeah, so I think um, our ICU started out really strong and continues to be really strong in um, treating every and caring for every uh, aspect of our patients and each other. So we we pray together as a team every morning um, because we we know and I um, fully believe that it is um, God who is healing these patients because you walk in there and you feel like it's impossible that they could survive sometimes. God is working through our team in Italy and it is humbling to be a part of it. One of our podcast correspondents on the ground said this, Despite not speaking the same language, not being able to show emotion or even see the nurses' faces, the love of God is being demonstrated and felt through action at our emergency field hospital. Patients are coming to know the Lord because they are amazed that someone would leave their own family and come halfway across the world to care for them because they love them and God loves them. Families are asking for their loved ones to be placed in our facility because we provide excellent physical care, but also show incredible love and spiritual encouragement. Our medical professionals serving in the emergency field hospitals, both in Italy and New York City, display God's love to one another and each patient they help. Let's get back to my conversation with Anne. So how do you, how are you able to suit up, you know, knowing that you could get this too? I mean, you're not immune. We are praying for your staff, mm, you know, you. praying for your protection. Um, and we want Jesus to get the glory, you know, for keeping you all safe. But what is it like? Mm. And I know, can you explain the hot zone to us and mm. what it's like to suit up um, knowing you're going into something that you could be exposed to? Yeah, so, um, so first of all, the hot zone, when we say the term hot zone in an infection control center, it refers to the area of a center which the virus is contained. So the hot zone is a very um, distinct area that is fenced off with double fencing um, to distinguish the uh, area where the patients are, our positive COVID patients, and um, to set that apart from the clean area. So we always don PPE before going into that area because we know the virus is in there. So that's the hot zone. It's where the virus is isolated. Um, And what is it like 
to go in. Um, you know, I think when you, when you enter into a project like this, I, I feel concerned about my colleagues. Like, um, you'll look, we look out for each other. If there's a breach in their PPE, you almost become more concerned about your coworkers because you can see them. You can't see yourself when you're breached. Um, so sometimes you don't know if you have a breach. So I don't find myself as concerned about myself. Um, I feel concerned about the people I'm looking at, my coworkers, because I can see them. So, but I know that they're looking at me too. So I think what it's like to suit up in a PPE is to, to uh, be looking out for, for others um, because you know they're looking out for you too. Um, am I concerned? Um, for others, yes, definitely. Um, and so that's why we look at each other very closely and inspect each other's PPE to keep each other safe. What a perfect picture of, yeah, mm -hmm. accountability, you know, in the mm -hmm. body of Christ and how it's important to look out for one another. Yeah. Um, and you guys are such servants. Like, so even for you to say that, like you're mm -hmm. not even thinking about yourself, you're thinking about others around mm -hmm. you, knowing that they're doing that for you. Mm -hmm. Like, I yeah. mean, it just makes me teary to hear that. Like mm -hmm. what, what a perfect picture of the gospel and just the partnership in mm -hmm. Christ. Um, so can you share with me a way you've seen God um, show up? And I know it's, there's probably been many, but times where you haven't had what you needed or you didn't think a patient could make it or he just provided, mm -hmm. um, or just even a small thing, like looking mm -hmm. out for your brothers and sisters beside you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, if I'm being honest, and I sort of alluded to this earlier, when, I, when we first opened I and when I received ICU patients here, I really felt, and just knowing how many are dying every day in the world, um, and those who are in critical condition, I felt initially like I was caring for the dying. I, I honestly felt just if you could have seen, you know, the um, their condition and uh, just their instability and just seeing the statistics, I just felt like we're just, we're part of the statistics. Although hope seemed lost in Italy just a few weeks ago, God called the right people at the right time to form a team to help the community of Cremona. Our disaster assistance response team came together as the body of Christ to fulfill each need to smoothly operate the emergency field hospital. One of those people I had the chance to hear from was Stephen Sneed, an international apprentice now serving as a medical information officer. He's responsible for so many jobs, gathering and transferring patient information from inside the ward, preparing meals for each patient. And I mentioned at the beginning of the episode that we wanted to give you a full view of operation. And Stephen does just that, explaining how his first deployment feels and what he's learning. So much has been done for me, but really when I think about the gospel, when I think about who I was lost in my sin before I met Jesus, so much has been done for me that it's to the point now where it's just a natural reflex to want to give back and do that as well. Um, so, you know, scripture is really clear and it says to whom much is given, much more will be required or expected. Um, it's a joy though to come and serve. It does not feel like a chore or a job or a sacrifice. Yes, I had to say bye to my family really quickly. And yes, there were a ton of unknowns about when I'd come back and what quarantining when I get back will look like. Um, but it was such a privilege to be able to go with Samaritan's Purse to a place that really needs it and to be able to tangibly see God work and move, that's an honor 
um, that I've done nothing to deserve, you know. And for me, the kind of key idea and spiritual idea behind being here has been like the Lord really uses weak and broken vessels um, to make himself known. Nothing in me deserves to be here or is qualified to be here. But I think because of that, that's why God did allow me to come um, to show like, hey, even like the scrub from Virginia is able to come and, and, and be used by me. I'm big enough to use even him. Well, I mean, it's like the expression talk is cheap, you know. So if we say, oh, like Jesus, he loved those who were down and out and he, he went to the hard places and did that. But if we just say that and we show up with some words alone, um, people aren't really going to buy into that message. There's no action to back that up. So I think being able to come here, provide for a very real physical need, but at the same time being able to articulate your purpose behind it and the deeper meaning behind it, that just makes sense. Um, and then that kind of gives us a platform to share what Christ has done for us. To show the hope of Jesus Christ through our words and action is the heartbeat of our organization. Through serving in Italy in this pandemic, it gives us the chance to show God's love in a tangible way. One of our patients, Francesco, witnessed this love firsthand from our medical staff. Savannah Coop, a nurse from the ICU, shares his story. Francesco has been just an absolute joy to have in our tent. Uh, I was talking with him the other day about his experience here and he is just overflowing with gratitude. Um, he's so grateful for the staff and he has a keen awareness of the Lord's working in uh, his story here. He has a lot of friends that have been praying for him that wouldn't normally pray and he has given all glory to God and it is so exciting to see him overflowing with that gratitude. He's in the Word every day. We gave him a Bible and he is in the Word every day, reading for hours at a time. And he's just excited about uh, the new lease on life that he has from the Lord. And it's very inspiring. When we ask him how he's doing, he's often uh, very emotional about it with the gratitude and the excitement. He says, I wish I could just open my heart because it's all in there. There's something happening in my heart. And he just repeats, there's something happening in my heart. And uh, it's a tough thing to express uh, because what they're going through here is there's no words to describe uh, the grief. Um, and in the same breath, there's no words to describe the hope, the new hope that this guy has for life. I just love Francesca's story. And I pray that we all have a passion for the word like he has, hungry to know about God and wanting to share our gratefulness with others. Before we wrap up today's episode, I think it's so important for us to pray for this team. Here's how Kelly and Anne asked us to pray for our staff, patients, and family members in Italy. Thank you so much. And um, to close, I would just love to know how we can be praying um, from your perspective. How can we pray for your partnership and for your patients? Um, obviously, healing for our patients. Um, of course, pray for my staff. Um, they they work very hard every single day. I'm 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 blown away by their capacity and their their capabilities. Um, but they need continued prayers to can keep that up. It's hard work. Um, and then, of course, for the leadership, is just a continued you know prayers for wisdom and humility, mm -hmm. um, so that we can continue doing this work and that we don't become an obstacle to God working through us. Our staff, I would say, continue to pray for unity like Jesus prayed for unity for us um, as his children. Um, obviously, this is, you know, a bit of a stressful environment and um, there's high stakes and a lot of big decisions that we make. So just continue to pray for peace and unity within ourselves and within our 
routine, even when it's a bit chaotic around us. Um, and for uh, the patients, um, I think it would just be that they, first of all, that they would experience love, um, even if they are sedated, just that they would feel like, still feel and hear our words and, and feel our touch and just still be able to feel at, at ease and to feel loved and that they would be healed. Thank you for joining us on this journey to Italy and partnering with us in prayer. Our hope is to continue to share Jesus' love with all we come in contact with in Italy, New York, and all around the world. I was so encouraged by hearing the hope overflowing from our staff as they pour out their time and talents on their patients. God has been sustaining them and allowing them to share the reason for the hope they have, which is Jesus Christ. When I think of our staff on the front lines, I think of Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. My conversations with our staff encouraged and renewed my faith. Like our brave staff on the front lines, I want the Lord to find me trustworthy with what He has entrusted me to do with the hope I have in Christ Jesus. If you like what you heard, make sure to go back and listen to episodes 16 and 17 that gives you more on-the-ground content from our COVID-19 responses. You can also visit our website, SamaritansPurse.org, to read powerful stories about how God is working. I wanna leave you with the sweet sounds of Francesco, the patient you heard about just a few minutes ago, being discharged from the Samaritan's Purse Emergency Field Hospital. He came in suffering from coronavirus, unable to breathe on his own, and now he is healthy and whole. Our entire team celebrated and cheered as he got to go home. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody. Thank you for the deep of my heart. Thank you. Oh, oh.